Good morning, good people. My name is Nicole Donnell, and I'm your host of the Black Girl Budget Podcast. The Black Girl Budget Podcast has an international audience with listeners from the United Kingdom, Panama, Guam, Germany, and New Zealand, to name a few. Welcome to Season 3, which is all about the financial tools we need to budget for today and tomorrow. If you're just joining us in Season 3, we've had amazing collaborations and discussions about financial literacy, IRAs, the financial benefits of therapy, and credit card rewards. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you're notified when a new episode drops. With over 21,000 downloads, the Black Girl Budget Podcast is on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Podbean, and Google Podcasts, and more. As usual, I am very excited for today's episode because we are talking about another tool. But I also want to bring this up from a bit of a generational wealth perspective as well. So previously, I've mentioned to you all that I open bank accounts for my niece and nephews, and every month I put money into their accounts. I think my niece has over $1,200 in her account, and my nephews have a few hundred dollars each. Whenever I mention this, I always get a few people who will reach out and say, I wish I had money to create generational wealth, or I don't make enough money to open an account for my child, niece, nephew, etc. One thing I want you all to remember is that money is not the only thing you can use to create and sustain generational wealth. Financial literacy, debt management, money management, investing strategies, and financial strategies are all things that don't require you to give younger generations money. You can teach these things. And today, we're discussing another financial tool that will help you on your financial journey, as well as help with generational wealth. We're talking about trade lines. Well, technically, they're called authorized user trade lines, but a general credit trade line is a term that credit card companies use to describe credit accounts listed on your credit report. So we all have these, right? For each account you have, there is a separate trade line, which includes information about the creditor and the debt. But today we're talking about authorized user trade lines, which are different from just general trade lines. An authorized user is an additional person, and I'm using the word person for a specific reason here. It's an additional person on someone else's credit account. Authorized users have access to the credit account, but they do not have ownership over the account. The primary account holder retains ownership. So for example, Think of one of your credit cards, any card that you're the only person on that card. Your name is on the credit card account and you have a credit card attached to that account with your name on it. So it is your account. Now, let's say you want to add your cousin as an authorized user to the account. You'll call up the credit card company and ask to add your cousin as an authorized user. Your cousin's name is added to your credit account as an additional person, again, very specific language, who has access to your account. Now, authorized users can make purchases on the account, but they can't make changes to the account, like increasing the credit limit or adding more authorized users. If they spend money on the account, they aren't required to make payments on the credit card either. The payments are the responsibility of the primary cardholder. So let's think of our cousin who we've added as an authorized user. Our cousin now has access to our credit card account and can spend money on our credit card, but it's not responsible for making the payments. Now, this is where y'all say, Nikki, girl, just why? (laughs) The best part, in my opinion, is that you can add a person as an authorized user to your account without them getting an actual credit card for the account. Without having a credit card issued to the authorized user, they can't spend money on your account. 
So again, we've added our cousin as an authorized user. We know if our cousin spends any money on the account, we're responsible for it. So we decide to tell the credit card company, hey, add my cousin as an authorized user, but do not issue or send them a credit card. Voila. They're an authorized user, but have no ability to spend money on the account. And that's why I say authorized user is an additional person and not an additional card holder because they're not required to have, an, to have a card for your account. Now, I'm sure some of y'all are asking, what's the point of adding them to the credit card as an authorized user if they can't actually use the card? So let's talk about how being an authorized user or having one can benefit you or your family. But not only do authorized users have access to your account, they also get to benefit from your responsible credit habits because credit companies will report the primary cardholder's activity to the credit bureaus. And when they report this to the credit bureaus, they're doing it for the authorized user as well as the primary holder of the account. So let's think of our cousin again. Our cousin is an authorized user on our account but was not issued a credit card so they can't spend any money. But they're benefiting from all of the amazing financial decisions we make with our credit card. Are you catching that? Authorized users benefit from our responsible credit habits, meaning you need to have good credit card habits in order for this to benefit the authorized user. If your credit utilization is high, you're maxing out your card, and or you're missing payments, this can negatively affect the authorized users on your account. You don't want to negatively affect someone else's credit, so make sure you add people as authorized users only when you're in a position to keep up with your card and have responsible habits and discipline. Keep in mind though, not all credit card companies report to credit bureaus for authorized users, and we want the ones that will report it because that is the benefit. So again, back to our cousin. Our cousin is an authorized user. No credit card has been issued to them. And we are keeping up with our balance, utilization, and our payments. And we're working with the company that reports our activity to credit bureaus on behalf of our cousin. With our responsible credit habits, our cousin's score is going to increase because the history and activity of your card is being reported for them as well. Make sure you only offer to add someone as an authorized user if you're in a good position to do so, meaning no late payments, no late payments. <laughs> you haven't maxed out your card, right? So if you have a $10,000 limit, you're not actively using all $10,000 of that credit card, right? And your utilization is under 30%. Now, we recently talked about this. Some people will say your credit utilization should be under 20%, 25%. Listen, as a general rule of thumb, 30% is max, okay, where we should be at. If you fall somewhere lower than that, that's fine, but 30% is really what you should be looking at. If you're not down to 30% credit utilization, do not go higher than 50%. That is definitely going to affect you. And if you're currently working your way down from 50% to 30% utilization or 25%, that's great. Keep working on it. Now, if you're going to ask someone to add you as an authorized user, you need to make sure that they are financially responsible and whichever card they add you to is the one that has 
good reporting. So you can have someone be added to your card as an authorized user. You could also be the person who is adding to someone's card as an authorized user. And interestingly enough, there are people who pay for authorized user trade lines. And we'll discuss that some more when we get back from commercial break. This episode is sponsored by one of my favorite content creators, Who Asked Ash. I love her content because it is something I had no idea I would find interesting. You can find Ash on TikTok discussing cults and cult-adjacent groups with her cult community. Don't be fooled. She's a PhD who has more than enough research to bring you well-informed and entertaining content. She doesn't advocate for joining cults and her content is from a purely educational perspective. Her content also includes book reviews, analyses, and discussions that center on current social issues. She recently went viral for a post where she compares The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood to The Parable of the Sower by Octavia Butler. If you can't get enough of her on TikTok, you can also sign up for her cult community newsletter. Is it a conflict of interest that I'm also subscribed to her newsletter? (laughs) So do people really sell trade lines and is it illegal? This is a question that I've gotten before. uh, And I talked about it a few times on my IG stories. But (laughs) to answer the question, yes, people really do sell trade lines. Is it illegal? No. It's a legit business. And it's not actually illegal Although some credit companies recommend avoiding this strategy. Now, this is a risky strategy because if you're purchasing an authorized user trade line, I'm going to assume you don't know the person you're getting it from. Now, I don't want to knock anyone's hustle, but y'all just be careful out there because you want to make sure the person has what? Responsible credit habits. And if you're working with someone that you have to purchase this from, You might not have all that information. So let's talk about how authorized users can affect your credit score and how your credit score can affect authorized users. If you're adding an authorized user, they shouldn't affect your credit score unless they are actively using a credit card attached to your account and running up the bill. And remember, we do not want our authorized users to have a credit card for purposes of benefiting their credit score. Now, if you're adding an authorized user because you want them to have a credit card attached to your account, that's fine. You know, do your thing. Just make sure you're well-informed. If you are added as an authorized user, remember, this is is the con of this, right? Remember, you could be negatively affected if the primary holder isn't keeping up with their responsibilities. So yeah, it's, it's all gravy. You're an authorized user. You're benefiting from the history and the activity of a responsible person. And everything's going, everything's going great. But then what happens if the person you're on their account with isn't as responsible? Or what happens if they forget a few payments? Those, those missed payments are going to affect your credit score as an authorized user. So I recommend that you be very much, very much in communication with whoever you are using, family member, friend, whoever. Make sure that you're following up with them, maybe on a monthly basis. Like, hey, I'm an authorized user on that card. You know, what's the balance? What's the utilization? What's the payment situation looking like? Because you want to make sure that you're getting the benefit of it and that you're not being negatively affected. So that's why I say you 
you know, if you're going to do this, do it with someone that you know, someone that you trust, who is okay with having a monthly conversation with you about their own activity on their own card, because that's something that I would want to know. I'm an authorized user on your account. I'm just wondering, how's everything looking this month? Is there anything that I should be keeping in mind? And then, of course, make sure you're checking your credit score monthly and make sure you're checking your credit report monthly as well, because those are other ways that you can get information as well. Now, can you be removed as an authorized user or can you remove someone? Absolutely. You can remove an authorized user at any time. Just call your credit card company and ask to have them removed as an authorized user. If you are the authorized user, you can also call or write a letter or email, question mark, asking to be removed from the account as well. Um, sometimes if you call and say, hey, can you remove me? They may say, can you send that to us in writing? Which is why I say hey, write a letter or email. Um, I know we don't write a lot of letters nowadays, but <laughs> they may ask that you do that. So just keep that in mind. But you can be removed at any time by the primary account holder. Um, you can also remove yourself. Now, one thing to keep in mind is authorized users. You can remove yourself from someone else's account. But you do not have the authority to just add other people as authorized users onto someone else's card. That's a no-go. So don't even try it. Um, but also, if you're trying to help other people, be upfront and honest. And just whoever you're working with, like, hey, can we also add so-and-so? I honestly have no thoughts on adding a bunch of people. I, the more the merrier, honestly. But make sure that these are all people you know, people you trust. If you're paying for trade lines, I've never done it before. Again, not knocking anyone's hustle. Just make sure that you're working with someone where the communication is good and you understand how the process is going to work, how long you are going to stay as an authorized user and what that cost is going to be and what your expectation is for helping your credit score increase. So I know I started by saying that this is going to have a bit of a generational wealth perspective to it. And so the reason I think that this does have that component is it's free, but also it's another tool that we can use, not only to benefit our immediate family, right, our immediate relatives and friends, but then they can do the same once their credit score increases as well. My parents did this for me and my brother when we were younger. And when I tell y'all, my credit score was like a 700 something when I graduated from high school and it didn't cost them any money, but we benefited so much from this. It was literally the start to a great credit score and great history, but also getting approved for other cards and purchases later in life with a low interest rate. We've discussed this in an earlier episode, lower interest rates. Save us money. Say it with me. Lower interest rates save us money. Saving us money affords us the opportunity to put our money toward other things. So keep in mind, allowing someone to be an authorized user is not going to make them wealthy or provide them with assets, but is going to give them an opportunity to have a great credit score, a good history. And I'm not saying that their score is going to shoot up by like 300 points, but it will start to generate some history for them and it will help them. So now when they do go out and they get loans or other purchases, that's good credit history that they can use in negotiating lower interest rates. And if you have a 
4% interest rate compared to somebody's 16% interest rate, you're winning. I don't care what the thing is, you're winning. So, so this is a way for us to get lower interest rates in our families and our communities and push money toward other things like investments or savings or saving up for a house or a car, whatever the thing is that we want to do. Now, this is also a really good way to balance out um, some of the not so responsible decisions we might have made in college for me, um, after college for others. So generational wealth is a combination of financial assets, but the path to attaining those assets require financial literacy and financial strategy. This is a tool you can use as part of your strategy, and it allows you to help family and friends, of course, those that you trust. So let's get a couple of common questions that I typically get about this topic. Um, first question is, do authorized users receive billing statements for the card that you add them to? Typically, no. But y'all know my favorite response is my lawyerly response. It depends. So double check with the credit card company to make sure that they will not send your authorized user the billing statement because we don't need our authorized users to know all of the juicy details, right? Second question, what is the minimum age for authorized users to be added? There is no legal minimum age, but some companies do have restrictions. Um, I actually added my niece and nephew as authorized users when they were nine years old. And I was honestly shocked, y'all. Like, I just happened to be on the phone with the bank. It was like, by the way, y'all do authorized users? How old they got to be? Like, the lady was like, how old do you want them to be? <laughs> so, so again, lawyerly answer, it depends. Check with your company to confirm there's no age restriction. Uh, my niece and nephew have been on my, um, dang, I'm trying to remember which card. They've been on my, one of my credit cards for two years now. Um, I've not personally checked their credit report or anything like that. Like, I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what their score is. I have no idea. I leave that for their parents. If their parents see something, they'll hit me up and be like, well, what you got going on? But <laughs> for the most part, everything's going swimmingly. I use that card very sparingly because I know I have authorized users on it. But when I do use it, I use it for gas primarily because the rewards points are good. And then I will immediately pay that card off. So I know my niece and nephew are benefiting from that specific card. Um, if at any point in time I feel like I can't maintain this card anymore, the first people I'm going to let know is my, my brother, obviously, and then my niece and nephew's mom. So I definitely keep in mind whenever I'm using that card to keep the balance at zero or to keep it as low as possible. I don't miss any payments on that card whatsoever. And when I do use it, I pay it off immediately. So those are things that you should be keeping in mind when you do add authorized users. Like, it's not just you. It's you and authorized user. And if you're doing this to benefit them, they should be at the forefront of your mind at all times that you are using that card. Moving right along. Do authorized users have spending limits? Again, it depends, but their limit is the limit of the credit card. So if you got a credit card limit of $10,000, that's what their limit is. But again, ask your company and see if you can set a spending limit for authorized users. Now, you know, my recommendation is to just not give them a card at all because the benefit is for you to get my credit history and my credit activity. 
the benefit is not for you to spend money on my credit card, unless, of course, that is actually the goal that you have. But for us, we're just trying to get them the history and the activity. We don't really want them spending our credit card money that we're responsible for paying back. So I say just don't get them a card. But um, if you decide to, that's cool. Just make sure you find out if there's a spending limit for that card. Um, is this basically co-signing? No, this is not the same as co-signing, and this is also not the same as having a joint account. Those are three separate things. So just keep that in mind. You're not co-signing. This is also not a joint account. Um, let's see. Another question I had uh, gotten before is, are authorized users automatically added to all of my credit card accounts? No, they're only added to the credit cards that you specifically add them to. So if you have like, a Discover card, a Chase card, and then, I don't know, like a Bank of America card. If you only add them to your Discover card, they're only on your Discover card. Now, if you add them to all of your cards, then they're going to get the history and activity of all of those cards. But they're only going to be on whatever you add them on. So just keep that in mind. It's not like they'll, you know, pop up on all your accounts across the board. So let's see. Were those all the questions that I've gotten? I think those are all the questions that I've gotten about authorized users. I mean, there are a million questions that you can have about this topic. Um, but just remember, you can also Google any specific question that I didn't answer today. You can Google it. I guarantee you there's information that will pop up. Um, if you don't find anything, let me know. I will see if I know the answer. I'll see if I can do some research and we can find that thing together. So let's say you decide to add someone as an authorized user. What do you say when you call your credit card company? Remember, whenever, first things first, whenever you're handling business, be confident. I, I don't care if you're not confident. I don't care if you have no idea what you're talking about. Be confident and just sound confident. Possibly can be, even if you have no idea what you're talking about, be as confident as you can be. Call up your company and say, hey, I'd like to add someone to my credit card as an authorized user. And then make sure you ask them, do you all report this activity to credit bureaus for the authorized user? Though, like Those are the main two things that I would say. Hey, I'd like to add someone as an authorized user. Do you all report to the credit bureaus for the authorized user? Because we want the companies that are reporting so the authorized user gets the benefit. Now, once you say this, they're going to ask you for the person's full name, their date of birth, and their social security number. This is very personal information. So make sure you're only giving it to people you trust and make sure you have all that information on deck when you call. That's literally it. The representative will ask you more questions, but it's pretty much an easy process. There's no paperwork that you have to fill out. No one's going to like check your credit score or check your credit history. You don't have to have a credit report checked at all. Um, what else? There's no inquiries. There's like they're not going to look at the other person's uh, credit history and be like, well, let's take a look at them. They're not going to do that. They're just literally going to add the person that you ask to have added. So keep in mind, in order to add someone, you do have to have pretty personal information. Um, and so when you're getting that information, make sure you're doing it in a secure way. So keep in mind, if you want to add someone as an authorized user, Make sure that if they're a minor or someone, make sure you're being very transparent about what you're doing and how you want to do it. And then also have the conversation of how long are they going to be an authorized user just into 
foreverness or just for six months or a year and have that conversation as well. So be very transparent. And um, this is a really good tool, a really good benefit, and it costs you no money, which is why I love it. It's one of my favorite tools. We have to remember that we can give our friends and family um, way more with just educational things than we can with just money. Like money is not the end all be all of financial wealth. So keep that in mind. And we are going to move into new business. I'm adding this segment because I get really good questions from you all, but I know the responses can benefit us all. So I'll be responding to questions on the podcast. And if there's something coming up for Black Girl Budget, I'll add it into this segment as well. So first things first, we have an Amazon storefront. Whoop, whoop, whoop. This is commission-based, so keep that in mind. I'm still adding things, but for now, some of the lists include my favorite doggy items for brownie, um, my favorite books, and kitchen stuff. You can get to it from the link tree in my bio on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, if I recall correctly. So check it out and make sure your purchases are within budget. Now, I got this message um, on Instagram, and so let me back up. I posted on my Instagram stories. I'm like, hey, guys, how's everyone's budget for the month of June? And like 78% of us, I think, were not doing so well. But it's all good because with the Black Girl Budget method, you can literally start over your budget every month or week if you want to. And so in response to this question, someone messaged me directly and said, hey, Nikki, I'm paying all my bills early aggressively paying down debt, but realize I don't like to see $0 in my account, so I leave the extra money in there and get mad that I spend it on stuff I didn't necessarily need. This is very common. Like, we're doing all the things, right? We're paying the bills, we're aggressively paying down debt, and then we realize we're actually still spending money on things that we don't need and spending money that we really shouldn't be spending. So I recommend that you get a buffer, person who sent me the message. If you're in a similar situation, I, I recommend this for you as well. I recommend that you get a buffer and a buffer is a small amount of money that keeps the balance in your bank account from being zero dollars. So I actually have a line item in my budget for $50 and every month I act like my income is $50 less than what it actually is. So for example, if your monthly income is $3,000, you'll look at it as $2,950. If you can afford to have a buffer line item in your budget every month, that's great. If you're not quite at a stage where you can do this every month, then only do it once or twice. Now, when I first started leaving money in my account as a buffer, it got up to like $100. And this was years ago. It got up to $100. I was very excited, by the way. And I started treating that $100 as my baseline in my account. And I... I, I say a baseline is an amount above zero that you treat as zero. So, for example, whenever my account balance would hit $100, I treated that as zero dollars and I considered myself broke. I'm using air quotes. It wasn't it wasn't that I had no money in my account. Right. I had the hundred dollars, but that hundred dollars is when I was like, oh, my gosh, that's it. I'm out of money. And that was my baseline. So I always looked at, you know, some specific number as my baseline. I think I've gone from $100 to $500 to $1,500 to $5,000. So over time, you'll increase. But this is just something where you're like, okay, once I start seeing this specific number, 
I need to figure out where more money is coming from, right? And it might just be another paycheck. But um, just keep in mind that you want to have some kind of baseline. I think $100 is good because it's not enough to tempt you to spend the money, but it still keeps your balance above zero. So just keep that in mind. Um, if you find yourself like trying to leave extra money in there, that's a buffer. That's really good. But if you find that you're leaving too much money in there, just don't leave as much, right? And create that baseline. If you can only keep $50 in your bank account without like blowing it, then just stick to $50. If $100 is going to tempt you to spend it, then just stick to $60 or $40, whatever it is. But you want to keep your balance above $0. There are actually benefits to keeping your account balance above $0, um, which I think I've talked about before on Instagram, but we'll have to get to that in another episode because we are closing this episode out. Thank you guys so much for being with me today. So the podcast is now available on Google Podcasts. Apple Podcast and Amazon Podcast. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you know when new episodes are available. Join me next week when we discuss another tool everyone needs to know about 401ks.